Alright, spooky. Is it is today spooky? Spooky. Is it spooky or spooky? It's it's always spooky, I think. Uh-huh. Like a pizookie. Right. Like a pizza cookie. Or like or like when Kirk tried <laughs> to start the app called Uber. <laughs> yes. That was like quite possibly the worst joke in that entire miniseries. Oh, well, yeah. The miniseries was, was like, just what? a whole... That joke, that just didn't land. I was like, ah. Yeah. What are we doing here? What, what are we, what are we, what are we? Yeah. What are we doing what here? We? Well, it, it is spooky today because we're doing our Halloween bonus. Mm. Ba-ba-ba-bonus. Fairies and scaries. Fairies and scaries. Because we love a rhyme. We do love a rhyme. (laughs) And also, also, fairies are scary. (laughs) They are. Just, they are. And yes. yes. Like, you might not think so because you know, like, the, like, the, like, isn't there like a whole like series of Disney fairies? It's like a like a cartoon series, like Tinkerbell, yeah, and she has so. friends, and they're fairies, and yeah, that's yeah, an, yeah. Although in my head, that show would just be Mean Girls, mm-hmm. but in the forest, because Tinkerbell, you yeah. know, we'll get into this, but um, Tinkerbell is another example of using kind of magic to vilify women, yeah. which we definitely oh, see yeah. in Tinkerbell. Oh, yeah, totally. <laughs> a whole lot. <laughs> or like, uh, um, like the Ashleys from Recess. <laughs> yes. That's absolutely. what I imagine. Yeah. You're right. You're right, though, because we think of fairies as kind of these these sweet creatures sometimes, but if you if you poke behind the curtain, uh-huh. you find out that that a bunch of a bunch of those origin stories are are not really yeah. that. You know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. Yes, by all means. Mm. Um, are there any? There aren't any fairies in Wizard of Oz, are there? I don't think there are. I don't think so. Just witches. I mean. I suppose you could argue that somewhere in Oz there might be. I mean, be, it's definitely but we possible don't see them. for sure. Yeah. yeah, but we don't really see them. Um, yeah. yeah, but anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I think the reason we like, well, at least the reason I wanted <laughs> to do this episode. Um, so when we talked about a Midsummer Night's Dream. For summer theater program, yeah. I mentioned that, um, you know, the fairies that we see in Midsummer are were kind of like almost a new kind of look at fairies at the time, because sure. you know p- prior to Shakespeare and prior to Edmund Spencer and maybe a couple of their precursors like fairies were seen as like very terrifying malevolent creatures um in folklore yeah. so i wanted to explore that dark history of fairies and as soon as you said that i wanted to talk about monsters well, yeah. because 
because that's all I ever want to talk does. about. As one does. Yeah. And so we both looked at the calendar and kind of thought, hey, <laughs> the, the spooky month. Uh-huh. Yeah. You, yeah. And you really held back from talking about the Volcra and Shadow and Bone. So, you know, I really did. I I think I got nervous. Mm. I don't know. I was like, I don't know. Uh, so, sure. yeah. Yeah. So we're like, well, yeah. Let's talk about some monsters. Let's pretend to be Aaron Mankey. I'm Aaron Mankey. And this is Lore. (laughs) I love Lore. He shares my name and I'm so honored. (laughs) It's spelled different though. No, it's not. I changed it. His is spelled A-A-Ron. I changed it to A-A-Ron in his his spirit. (laughs) But just for Halloween. Oh, you're going to change it back. Yeah, I'll I'll, okay. ch- I'll go through all of the paperwork in the government. I'll change okay. it back tomorrow or Monday. on November first. November first. Yeah. Yes. Um. Yeah. So, <laughs> uh, what are did are there any lore episodes about fairies? I haven't listened to the whole catalog. Yeah, I would. I would imagine so. I was listening today. And he had some stuff about, like, obviously, um, witches and the Salem witch trials. And Mm -hmm. that's what I was hearing today. And then I also heard some stuff about, like, like a Will-o'-the-Wisp and different forest creatures. But I haven't heard fairies. But I would imagine so. He must. I think he must talk about changelings at some point. I did just hear his changeling episode, yeah. Or does one he, of his yeah. does he talk we're just turning into a lore fan cast. I mean, yeah. Like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but did did he do an episode on the Green Children of Woolpit? That sounds really familiar, maybe. Okay. I want I wanted to talk about them in this episode, but I don't we just don't have enough time. It's fine. We'll we'll do we'll talk oh. about it later. Um okay. but <laughs> But um yeah, so I I have long had a fascination with fairies and especially like the darker yeah, more scary aspects of fairies. Yeah. Um so of course they're found in the folklore of many European cultures um or at least some kind of iteration of fairies including like Celtic, German or Germanic, English, um, really just all over Europe. So the fairies that we find in these oldest iterations are some kind of a spirit um, and they're described as metaphysical, supernatural or preternatural. They're thought to be related to the elves of Norse mythology, Norse folklore. Sure. There's a lot of similarities there, um, but it's not certain that that's where they actually came from. It could be completely, you know, a completely separate um, folklore. But you know, it's it's yeah. misty. It's 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 murky. <laughs> it's murky and misty. Sure. It's, yeah. yeah. So speaking of fairies' origins, um, the origins of fairies themselves don't there like there isn't one single origin sure at least not that has been traced 
Um, so it's kind of a collection of folk beliefs from different sources around Europe. Various different traditions hold that fairies were like fallen angels or demons mm -hmm. in the Christian tradition. Um, or as the deities of pagan belief system, different pagan oh. belief systems. Right. Um, or as spirits of the dead who come back to kind of interact with the living world. Or yeah. even as, um, I thought this was an interesting uh, theory, as prehistoric cursor, precursors to humans. So like, <gasps> right. So like pre historic um societies of um what is it Cro-Magnon is that the and there's like a couple other I think like mm -hmm. um so like it, it could be like traces of those societies that we're seeing come up as fairies in folklore interesting yes okay. or um another possibility is that they're they they evolved from like the spirits of nature that we see in a lot of mythology, like in Greek mythology, how we have like dryads, yeah. um, and the dryads and naiads who are spirits of like trees and the water. So they could have kind of come from that tradition as well. Yeah. And so we see fairies come up in a lot of Renaissance literature. And romantic sure. art, especially in the United Kingdom, and then into the Victor Victorian and Edwardian eras, we start to see a new picture of fairies start to emerge that kind of started with the works of Shakespeare and Edmund Spencer, like I mentioned earlier. Right. Yeah. So that's kind of when we see that shift in thinking right. a yes. little bit. Yeah. And then, of course, by the Victorian era, the the picture that we have of fairies is kind of well established by then. Okay. Yeah. Um, this is another interesting theory about their origins. So uh, some historians um, such as Bartolome Derbolo. <laughs> Sorry. It's a French name. Um, no, you got it. <laughs> I got it. Woo. Um, <laughs> um, the theory was that fairies were adopted from a figure in Persian mythology called the Peris. So these were sort of angel-like beings that were mentioned in pre-Islamic Persia, back, you know, in their folklore and their mythology. Yeah. So illustrations of Peris were, like, fair and beautiful and extravagant, um, human-like looking creatures um, that were nature spirits and that had wings. So okay, at least the imagery could have possibly influenced what we think of as fairies now. Yeah, that kind of hits the, the three things that I think of. Right. Yeah. You know, when I think of fairy. So as far as like the reasons for humans actually believing in fairies, um, going back to those origin stories, one possibility is that they're kind of like ghosts or spirits of the dead, which I mentioned, or that they were, um, this was interesting, is that they're fallen angels, but so like going back to like the the theology in, in Christianity about, you know, kind of demons are like angels who fell um, 
from heaven. Yeah. So the the theory was that angels or sorry, fairies are angels who were not bad enough for hell, but they're not good enough to go to heaven. So they're just kind okay. of somewhere in the middle. It's interesting to note that the word fairy now, I think we have a very specific idea of what a fairy is. Um, but historically, the word fairy has been used to a to apply to like many different kinds of creatures that we would think of as separate creatures now. So even like things like gnomes or. Um, sure. I had a whole list here, but I think I deleted it. That's okay. Um, <laughs> but like other things that, that we don't consider fairies now, but the word fairy was used to apply to all different kinds of magical creatures at one yeah. point. It was also used as like an adjective meaning like kind of like enchanted or magical so if you had like a fairy mirror then like it was an enchanted mirror it was kind of used in that way as well one more thing about uh the history of fairies before we get into like the scary things that they did so (laughs) king james the first very famously uh hated witches and like aggressively went after people who were suspected to be witches he also wrote um this uh a dissertation or a book called demonology it's fascinating wow so according to king james the term fairies um refers to like illusory spirits so like demons or demonic entities that consorted with people who were witches or sorcerers so sure. it was like the fairies are like working with the witches so like they're all bad according to to this guy and his I, yeah <laughs> the image of him sitting down to like write this text <laughs> is just so funny to me right <laughs> he's like, like yeah I, gonna get rid of the fairies i'm gonna get these these women i'm gonna get rid of them all and just like Uh writing down all this wow (laughs) that's wow okay so like i mentioned a a little bit earlier so in the victorian and edwardian era is when we start to see kind of a shift in how the public thinks of fairies and there's this like renewed interest in fairies and fairy folklore and kind of the older folk traditions um, connected to it. This is also when we get the Cottingley fairies, which is another thing that I really wanted to talk about in this episode, but we just don't have time. So maybe someday <laughs> we yeah, will do we'll an just episode have to do a part two yeah. about the Cottingley fairies because that's an, ama- an incredible story too. And there's like Sir Arthur Conan Doyle was involved with that. It's it's bananas. Oh, yeah. Wow. Okay, but let's talk about some of the effed up things that fairies did in the old yeah, folklore. Absolutely. So, right. So fairies, one like kind of like dick move that fairies would pull <laughs> is they would give your soul to the devil if they didn't like you. Oh, did yeah. would they tell you or did it just like happen? I don't know. Like- I think they would just kind of do it because they didn't, you know. Um, They would do things like, so there's like some things that kind of get into like 
other myths, like the myths of like sirens and mermaids Mm -hmm. um, that kind of mesh with these ideas of fairies because they would do things like they would collect sailors souls and they would drown you (laughs) if you were at sea. Oh, wow. Yeah. Yeah. They would also steal and or enchant brides. So this is um, part of the reason why, like, even in modern weddings, like, you'll have bridesmaids and they'll all be wearing the same dress. It was because it was, like, supposed to confuse the fairies so they wouldn't know who was the bride. Oh, my goodness. Yes. That's one little fun fact I like to pull out. (laughs) Oh, that's so fun. Right. (laughs) So we know that they would steal babies. But Uh they would also sometimes steal mothers. Oh, wow. So, right. So if a woman has a child, then, like, the fairy would steal the mother and they would, like, according to the legend, they would leave, like, a doppelganger for the mother in her place that would appear to die. Wow. And then the woman, uh, so, like, the, the, you know, the real mom... Um, sometimes they would release her to return to her family. <laughs> but then, like, if the if the husband had remarried because he thought that his wife was dead, then he would have to divorce the second wife. I don't know how, like, how often this actually happened, but they, wow. there was, like, very, yeah, very specific things that, <laughs> well, that they believed would happen. Yeah, at first I was imagining this as, like, a way to rationalize death, you know, mm-hmm. in yeah, these absolutely. times when we didn't really know a whole lot. But then the part about having rules for like, if I guess if like for comas and stuff, maybe that's really interesting. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Um, and then, of course, the baby stealing, um, uh-huh. which is where this whole the whole uh, lore around changelings yeah. comes in. So, of course, fairies would steal a baby and leave a fairy or a changeling in their place. So the changeling um, was often um, like more sick or more um, like more fussy than than the human child. They thought that the only way to determine if a person was a changeling um, was a trial by fire or the use of a hot poker oh yeah so kind of kind of similar to like how witch trials were determined but like kind of uh not not great even if you pass quote unquote pass the test you know still right still not a fun time um I think the whole mythos around changelings is so interesting because like, like you said, like it's kind of a way to, to explain death or to explain, you know, serious illness or other, other conditions that children could have um, that people just didn't have a way to explain. And so this kind of folklore was built up around it. Yeah. Wow. Yes. (laughs) <laughs> uh this happens I'm... in labyrinth <laughs> yes steal, it does, the goblins it? steal a baby yeah oh my gosh that that movie is a whole oh my goodness i loved that movie as a kid i did too <sighs> i kind of want to rewatch it now 
Yeah. Yeah. Oh, wow. Um, yeah. So, you know, fairies did some really terrible things to humans. Sure. Yeah, sure. You betcha. <laughs> they, yeah. <laughs> like, if you insulted a fairy, their reactions would be, like, very overblown. They would, like, <laughs> right. you know, kill your entire family because you accidentally, like, confused them with another fairy. Or, like, sure, you sure. know, just, like... Really, yep. really inane things like that, and they would just completely yeah. overreact. Their d- fairies are divas, is the yeah the <laughs> you know casual murder. Yeah, it's fine, it's fine. <laughs> totally it's cool. fine. Yeah, and I think that in a lot of in fairy tales that actually have fairies in them, it's interesting that we call them fairy tales, even though not all of them actually have fairies in them, but. Right. Maybe that's kind of a remnant of like using fairy as as an adjective to mean like magical or enchanted. Maybe yeah. That, maybe that's sure. like a yeah, a remnant of that usage. And then it just sounded nice. Yeah, yeah. fairy tales. So we kept it. Um, but anyway, <laughs> um, and a lot of the fairy tales that we have that actually have fairies in them, you do see some traces of that like. Not necessarily like malevolence, but that's sort of like, like, it's like a warning to, yeah. to the children or the whoever is, you know, listening to this tale that like, hey, you know, if you're going to hey. deal with the fairies, you got to be careful because, yeah. you know, you, you never, you know, be careful what you wish for, basically. Yeah, be careful what you wish for, be careful of your actions, mm-hmm. be careful, um, even be careful of the gigantic woods that are surrounding our entire, like, lives, you yeah. know, like, don't, don't go run away because the fairies might get you instead of saying don't run away into the woods because goodness knows what might mm-hmm. get you, you know, it's like... I don't know, as people, as you and I have worked with children and they don't always listen, you got <laughs> What? I'm not. What do you mean? Not, the children always listen to me. Always, always. <laughs> They're like, no, what? And I'm, I'm not saying it's a good idea to scare the crap out of them, but <laughs> I understand to a certain degree, if you were parenting a young child in like when fairy tales really began Mm -hmm. you would need a way to keep your kids from running off or from doing something that they weren't supposed to be doing i think parents still do that to an extent like with santa claus totally obviously it's more it's like i mean not to generalize, but like in general, it's a more positive, um, like positive reinforcement yeah. kind of thing with Santa Claus versus like a fear based thing. Right. Uh, but it's still kind of the same idea. Yeah, there's all sorts of things like that. Um, the only example that's coming to mind right now is in Gilmore Girls when she tells Rory that the the stove is the devil's hands <laughs> yes. and she's like still afraid of the stove. Uh-huh. Yeah. Um, and I, I thought that was a really good example in, in the writing of Gilmore Girls of kind of those 
thinking on your feet parenting moments uh-huh. or teaching moments when you just have to like, no, we're doing this because of this thing, you mm-hmm. know. Um, <laughs> you also really want it to be memorable, right? You really want it to be like they're going to think about it. You, To some degree, you want to scare them. Right. Um, and there's... There are a few of our classic um, folk tales or fairy tales that do exactly that. They were crafted for children. And I also think the adults of... So I am thinking of if you wanted to keep kind of rule over a large group of people, you Mm. would want to scare them a little bit. Sure. Um, and I think a lot of these stories are used um, to do just that for kind of enforcing rules over a group of people. And it, it might just begin when you're when you have children, but then you have that buy in for the rest of their lives. And then that's kind of how so- in my mind, that's kind of how societies ran for a little bit, you know, and mm-hmm. maybe still do of like building that fear and building um, using scary stories to reinforce kind of the rules mm-hmm. of the area. Um, right. So I have a few just classic figures in um, folklore that I think do this specifically for children. So there's, of course, the Baba Yaga, who we've spoken about in other episodes. Um but she preys on children who do not behave, right? Uh-huh. She will find you, young children, and she will <laughs> um, haunt you if you do not follow um, what your parents tell you to do. If you don't follow the rules, if you don't, if you are not, a, you know, a good, my air quotes are going up, but you can't see them, uh-huh. a good <laughs> member of society, Baba Yaga will find you, you know, so it's it's one way of kind of keeping that that rule. We also talked about the changeling. So I think sometimes it was used definitely to explain away children's illnesses like we talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think there's also moments where this is a story that is told to children to make sure that they don't get taken you know, they don't get, um, so sometimes as a changeling, you're taken when you're a little older than a baby. So if a child is not um, behaving, someone might say like, oh, they're going to think that you are a changeling, like ah. you need to switch it up, that kind of thing. So I think that's another reason that story was told, because like, like the same as not acting like you're a witch, you know, right. like you don't want to act like you're a witch. You don't want to act like you're a changeling or else someone's going to suspect it. And then these people, once they've decided this, like these trials don't really mean a thing, you know, they've mm-hmm. decided it. So definitely seeing that in the changeling stories. Then there's also, um, so switching to an Egyptian myth, mm. there's the... Yeah, there's the man with a burnt leg, the oh. Abu Regal Masluka. It's the man with a burnt leg. So it's the story of a young child who was burned badly because he did not listen to his parents. <gasps> no. So 
case and point over in this Egyptian myth, um, they were doing the exact same thing as it, that's the other fascinating thing about these stories is that there are so many similarities mm-hmm. the world over. And it's just it's really fun to see the different ways that stories are told in different places. So, yes, the Abu Regal Masluka was a young child who was burned really badly after an accident where he didn't listen to his parents. Of course. (laughs) And he now preys on young children who are not following their parents' wishes. Ah. So don't you just transparent. Like (laughs) I I know. (laughs) It's so clearly obvious what they're trying to do here. I I know. And like yeah, can't you imagine the children listening to this? Like, yeah, okay. Uh-huh, sure. <laughs> yeah, mm-hmm, tell me more. Real convenient. Um, <laughs> oh, yeah, it's it's definitely just a similar thought process. And then you just have Hansel and Gretel, you know, where don't go in the woods, don't take food from strangers, don't... Um, break into people's homes looking for other food like, uh-huh. you know all those things yeah and then also of course little red riding hood where because sure. um, sometimes you know that one makes me think that sometimes there must have been instances where you did have to venture into the woods so uh-huh. kind of thinking about teaching those stories as well um, yeah and also you have to wonder what is the grandmother doing living all alone in the woods I know. In Little Red Riding Hood. What's what she, she doing, doing out, out there? there? What are you, what are you is doing? Is she a witch? Hmm. Hey, Grandma, you, you doing some witchcraft out yeah, there? Yeah, Grandma. <laughs> hey, 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 Grandma. Also, <laughs> in Hansel and Gretel, the like idea of the candy house that's mm. in the woods. Like, what? Yeah. Where did that come from? That's so... I think... With a lot of fairies, it's all natural. And with, like, the man with a burnt leg, that's a natural occurrence. But a house made of candy? Mm-hmm. That's, like, it's just kind of a different thought process, you know? It's, like, I guess the idea that people are out there to prey on you? I don't know. Um, all sorts of different myths to make sure that children... Don't get themselves into trouble. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I just think it's really interesting the way that stories become the rationale behind societal norms and societal rules and kind of enforce them. I just am fascinated with that whole idea. I also took a look at as I mentioned, at some monster mythology, um, kind of across um, internationally, so across different locations. And as I did my research, I found out that Argentina, Ireland, and Turkey have a few, like, through lines in common with their monster mythology. Yeah, I was looking, I was looking for things that felt similar even if the stories and the way they were told felt really different mm-hmm. um so i was i was casting a wide net and i found um i don't even think that i had like like a hypothesis or anything uh-huh. i think i just wanted to it's i didn't really know what i would what find. rabbit hole we can go down like the, yeah, yeah. 
Love that. Especially with monsters. I was like, give me more. Tell me things. (laughs) Um, But yeah, I collected monster and fairy stories for Argentina, Ireland, and Turkey. Um, And I just found a few different things that these three places have in common. There are, of course, like so many other similarities uh, in other corners of the world. And I could talk about this for a million years, but I just don't have the time. (laughs) So I focused on, um, yeah, Argentina, Ireland, and Turkey. And I saw in these three sets of mythology that they all include snakes serpentine monsters or like reptilian beasts Mm. there's always a connection to nature or more specifically the weather Um, which is yeah another i think way to rationalize right like when Mm. we didn't understand weather science and then an the most important was an emphasis on like the strength of women, mm-hmm. which is something that we see in other um, folktale. I think that's kind of that's kind of an umbrella that you can put all of them under. Yeah. Is like a fear of strong women, yeah. And then um, in both the Irish and Turkish um, mythologies, there are like specific types of vampire yes. written in as well, which is really cool. Um, so. Love a vampire. And the vampires are spoiler spoiler alert, usually women. Shocking. Ah. So so yeah. If you'll go on this journey with me, I thought we could start with the Argentinian folklore. So the first one that I have here is the Orco Maman. And that is the mother of the hill. So Orko Maman was a beautiful woman who was the guardian of gold, silver, and metals that lie deep in the mountains. She would often brush her long hair with a golden comb and then um, protect kind of the mountains. And she was just this big, beautiful entity. And so when metals were excavated... And maybe too many medals were taken, mm. she would she would become angry and mm. she would punish miners. Unfortunately, I do think this is an explanation for mining accidents uh-huh. and different um, mountain things like that. But again, a strong woman who was taking charge of the earth and then um, was supposed to have this wrath and this really big need for revenge Um, right and it also you know ties into like the idea of like greed and yeah and materialism totally yeah um there's so much in there and I just I want to read more I want to hear more of the stories because I feel like that's really interesting um and it also like kind of fuses two of them so strong women and nature and then right next to her we have the Mayup Maman who was the mother of the river and she was another fair-haired woman who was said to take care of the waters of Mishki Mayu which was Sweet River Um, and she 
was said to have a canoe and she took care of the fish of the river. And much like the the excessive mining of metals, if the fish were overfished, if there weren't enough fish left over, it was said that the mother of the river would throw curses on the fishermen and make their canoes sink. So we really need food. If you're take, if you are, are again being greedy, if you're taking uh-huh. too much food, she's gonna come for you. Right. Um, and and also, just to think about, like the the really unpredictable nature of water, right? Yeah. And how dangerous it is. So yeah, that's the Mayut Maman. And then we have something similar to the Loch Ness Monster. We have Nawalito, um, the lake monster of Noel Wapi, Lake of Patagonia, Argentina. And yeah, the Nawalito is where we get our snake tie in there. So a snake or reptilian creature. Much like the Loch Ness Monster, who was said to exist at the bottom of this lake, which I think was just a particularly, just thought to be a particularly dangerous location. Mm -hmm. Some of that fun like we have with, it almost reminded me of of like trying to find Bigfoot, you know, like you want to (laughs) watch out for Nawalito, you want to watch out for the Loch Ness Monster, who resides underneath the depths kind of like we talked about in our pirates episode of like the kraken yeah the kraken these creatures that were real creatures probably but they they weren't magical but Mm -hmm. they were there and they were scary and we didn't really have the biology to think about it yet um so it became this really fun mythos (laughs) And this one, Rhonda, is my favorite, the okay. Lutzmala. So the Lutzmala is an evil and poisonous light. Ooh. So when you're in nature, in a forest or a clearing um, or kind of any one, I always think of like a serene, beautiful spot in nature there was supposed to be this evil, poisonous light that was made of toxic gas and decomposed Ooh. bone. Ooh. And as it draws you in, it emits a screaming noise. It sounds like as something it, in the Hunger Games. It really does. Right? Like it's yeah. something that the capital would come up with to scare the tributes in the Hunger Games. Absolutely. I love I love this one because I feel like it kind of uses states of matter yeah. as a freaky thing. I think that's really cool. Yeah, scaring you love- with science. Scaring you with science. <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I I had never read a story. Well, I had never read like a classic monster story that dealt with states of matter in this way and I thought it was really yeah, interesting. That's really, really interesting. It's kind of like scientifically advanced if you think about yeah. it. You know, like the rest of these these folklore tales that we've been talking about so far are just kind of like vague explanations of, of other weird things that happen, um, death or, you know, really sad moments. But this one takes it a step further and makes it kind of science fiction-y, which I thought was really interesting. Mm-hmm. Um Yeah. So that that wraps up Argentina. Um, so again, 
Uh, I mean, it do- it obviously doesn't because there's so much there. So we saw powerful women. We saw a reptilian snake-like creature. And then we saw a connection to nature kind of throughout. And those are things we see in Irish Celtic folklore as well with the addition of vampires. So we have the Banshee, of course. Um, of course, of course. Yes. So a woman often in white who wanders and haunts and wails. I've heard some um, mythos here that she's lost a child mm. or that she, um, a child past or she's looking for kind of similar to La Llorona like she's looking for her children uh-huh. I've heard similarly there we got a headless fairy the Dulahan oh, um, nice. who's kind of similar they say this is the origin of the headless ho- horseman that uh-huh, Ichabod okay. Crane encounters uh-huh. so that's your fairy um, I didn't see that there was a, a gender associated with that one but banshee definitely women we got our olifeist which is a snake dragon monster that's similar to a basilisk or a dragon this one was kind of like early fairies where there weren't too many fleshed out details sure you know it's just that reptilian feature (laughs) and then the irish vampires the darug dua I'm so sorry, Irish people. <laughs> Darug Dua um, is a vampire-like entity who was said to be a female freaky vampire. Uh, um, of course. So, yeah, lots of powerful women, lots of nature, lots of snake guys. Oh, and this one, the Bowler of the <laughs> Evil Eye oh is gosh. a literal evil eye uh, that wanders like- around... Like, is like a normal human-sized eye or, like, a big one? Or, like, what? I, th- I think it's a big one. Ooh. Or if or it's maybe just, like, it... an eye. Imagine if it was just, like, an eyeball that would just randomly show up. That would Ooh. just, like, a human-sized eyeball. Ugh. That Oh, that would be terrifying. Oh, I don't like oh it. Um, yeah. That that one reminded me of the Lutz Mala just because, like, light kind of helps you see that. I don't know. I felt like they were kind of similar. Right. Um, yeah. It also reminds me of the Eye of Sauron. Uh-huh. That's beside the point. <laughs> and also the the Great Gatsby, the the eye, the optometrist yes. uh, billboard. That's Yeah. yeah. Oh, absolutely. Ooh, interesting connections Ew. here. I like this. That that whole part makes me so uncomfortable. Yeah. Um, That show of that book. And we finally get to the Turkish folklore, um, which I knew the least about. So it was really fun to find out about it. So this one, the first thing I found out was the Albasti, which is the female, a female demon, which is guilt in monster form. So sometimes I think demons are kind of vague a little bit, but this one makes it specifically about guilt, which I think is so interesting because guilt will eat at you, you know? So how interesting to put that as a, um, as a female demon specifically. 
Um, and then a Basti is just a bringer of nightmares. So a spirit who sits on dreamers' chests and causes nightmares. So the idea is that they would actually be sitting on you Ooh. as you sleep. It's like sleep paralysis. Yeah, absolutely. Ooh, interesting. Yeah, so fascinating. When I said, yeah, just now, I sounded like the girl you don't want to have at a party. But yeah. that's okay. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but okay. Um, yeah, Seth. Yeah, anyway. Seth. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Um, Cecily Strong. Another strong woman. <laughs> another strong woman. Um, so uh, we get a man here in a second. We get the earbook, which is the king of the snakes. Uh-huh. He's half man, half snake. Aren't all men half man, half snake? I mean, am I right? right? I mean, come on, <laughs> uh, ladies, am I right? Am um, I right, ladies? <laughs> I did think it was interesting, though, that that they still had like a strong tie-in with snakes, specifically. Yeah. We also have the Karakon Kolos, which is the boogeyman in Turkish mythology, and it was so the Kara. Oh gosh, the boogeyman, the Karakon Kolos would appear in the beginnings of winter when it got like deadly cold. And so their boogeyman was specifically tied to winter and the just frigid weather that, that we know geographically happens in Turkey. Uh So that was their way of explaining it and tying it to nature. And he would appear in dark, murky corners and start asking ordinary questions of people uh, walking by. What? And then kind of like, I, I similarly, I think, to fairies or like the the will-o'-the-wisp who you mm-hmm. follow the light into the forest and then you get lost. So they kind of thought about it the same way that you would think of like, a solicitor on the uh-huh. street in a city um, who might turn out to be like a murderer. You know, yeah. it's interesting to see how that changes. Like, cause you think about Turkey, it's kind of a larger city. So how that impacts how it thinks of danger is interesting. Yeah. The dark murky corners <laughs> asking ordinary questions. Right. Yeah. It's interesting. Cause they, I think they probably had more people then we're located um, in some of these fairy mythology origin uh-huh. locations, you know. I don't know. Yeah, I I could talk about these for days. I <laughs> uh, got two left on our um, Turkish side of things. So we've got the Kirtik, the female demon who lives in a swamp, a thicket, a bush near a river, and she would kind of lure you into the waters or into the depths. Ah, and then, okay. Yeah, you're kind of nature tie-in, an explanation about drowning, maybe uh-huh. you're getting lost, or freezing to death, certainly. And then the Mackay was the vampire-like creature um, who was a woman Often, I think there were also male identified ones, but there were many women. Um, and it was believed that they had two hearts and two souls. Oh, which was also kind of interesting. Yeah. yeah, I wonder. I wonder. So they were like vampires. So was 
was the lore that they had like stolen a heart from a human and that's why they had two hearts or like I should look more in. Yeah. I I just found a lot about like having two hearts and two souls kind of naturally in their biology, oh, okay. which is really interesting. Yeah. Again, kind of taking it that step farther into science fiction, you uh-huh. know, like Yeah. Yeah, some of these myths are arguably more simplistic but maybe not for their time you know but when you look back at them they're kind of bare bones forgive the pun but (laughs) wait was it a no bones day or was it a bones day (laughs) uh I think I think today was a no bones day today was definitely a no bones day for me Uh, me too yeah oh I love that dog oh my goodness (laughs) what a sweet creature oh but but yeah I think think the biggest takeaway that I found across Argentina, Ireland, Turkey, and the stories that you mentioned earlier mm-hmm. is that powerful women are to be feared. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think if I were to write like a thesis based on this data, uh-huh. <laughs> I think it, it would be that, yeah, powerful women are kind of We're kind of told to fear them. Yeah. Or I think like, I think definitely in sort of the way that these old stories have been interpreted and passed down historically, that might be like one, you know, kind of message that we get, like, you know, filtered through like the Victorians and kind of their social norms. Right. But I kind of wonder, like... If originally a lot of these stories were about, they were more about kind of women reclaiming power and reclaiming agency from a society that didn't afford them that very often. Totally. Especially with like the Argentinian stories of like the woman who lives in the hill and will like cause minors to fall into these abysses or you know things like that were like you know maybe like in this in this you know society maybe men had the power but it was through stories through this folklore that women were able to kind of claim some power and some agency literally shaking the patriarchy right I love it yeah But I I have a story to share that is about kind of about fairies and also about women and power. Yeah, and some some things like that. Um I just need to tell you monsters. I just need to tell you that it's storming outside and all my lights are off except for candles. Ooh. And I am so excited it for you to tell me a ghost storming story. storming outside. <laughs> this yes. is perfect. It's not quite a ghost story. It's a fairy story. A fairy story. Yeah, I'm so excited. But it's the scary fairies. So this <laughs> we're good. So um, we're good. Yes. So this is a story called Tamlin. From the borderlands of Scotland. Okay. So it's in that Celtic tradition of fairies. So it's a very, very old story. And it's about a young woman who, in most versions, her name is Janet. 
which I just <laughs> find kind of funny. Um, <laughs> but Janet's a pretty cool gal. And she goes okay. out. She is just kind of like, a, you know, like she doesn't take anybody's ish. Like that's yep. just kind of how she is. And she like goes out and she's like just walking around in a forbidden forest as one does. Okay. And she encounters this mysterious man. And like, so like in versions of the story, like she had been warned not to go to this forbidden forest, but she was like, I'm going to do it anyway. And uh-huh. she, Good for her. Yeah. So she meets this man, you know, they, uh, there's an attraction and one thing leads to another as things do between consenting adults and she gets pregnant and so she, you know, tries to find him again. And she learns that he was actually, he's a mortal man. He's a human, but he's been taken captive by fairies. And the fairies, the fairy queen, is going to sacrifice him to hell. Um, Because like I, you know, like I mentioned, fairies would sometimes just give your soul to hell. It was fine. Um, (laughs) It's fine. Whatever. So she's like, okay, well, I have to rescue him. Um, and so she finds the fairies at midnight on Halloween when they're, or All Hallows Eve, when they're performing this ritual to sacrifice him to the devil. And she pulls him down from his horse. So they have him on a horse, um, with like some, I think there's like other people that they're sacrificing to. Maybe not. (laughs) I don't remember. There's different versions. So she pulls him down from the horse. They're like in this procession of fairies. And so he's riding on a horse. And so she pulls him down as he passes by. And she has to hold on to him um, as the fairy queen like transforms him into different like creatures, different beasts. Um, She transforms him into like fire and like thorns and other things. And she has to hold on to him throughout And so, and she does. And so then she's able to, like, save him from being sacrificed to hell. And, you know, that I guess, like, in in most versions, I think that's kind of, like, that's a happy ending. (laughs) They're like, Uh yay. Um, (laughs) (laughs) uh, But, yeah, it's a really interesting story. Um, There's a lot of different versions. Well, so it started out as a ballad. So it was a song and it's known to have existed in Scotland for like hundreds of years. There's a website devoted to the story (laughs) of the ballad called Tamlin.org. And this lists 46 different versions of the ballad, though I'm sure that there are many more. Wow. Yeah. um, I read through some of them. It's yeah. It's fascinating. Um, Yeah. So while I was diving down this rabbit hole, um, (laughs) I was kind of (laughs) I was somewhat familiar with the story already because I've read uh, I've read at least two novels that that are like retellings of it in some way or at least inspired by it. Yeah. But I but while I was diving down this research uh, <laughs> vortex. I <laughs> I came across this Vox article from a few years ago that I thought 
was a really cool discussion of the story and kind of what it means to us now. Yeah. So the article is called This Halloween Set Medieval Scottish Ballad is Incredibly Pro-Choice by Constance Grady for Vox. And so this interpretation of the story is one where Janet, the young woman, maintains control of her own body and maintains agency throughout the story. So it says Tamlin is about a woman taking charge of her body and her fate. So this points out this points out a point of the story that I think is often often left out or glossed over is that in some versions of the story Janet is actually when she goes back to look for Tamlin after she finds out she's pregnant in some versions she's actually looking for herbs to induce an abortion so wow yeah so it's very um very interesting to look at it in that light yeah this article also gives kind of a summary of the story and when there so when it's discussing you know when when Janet has to pull Tamlin off of the horse and the fairy queen is turning him into different um, creatures um, this says Janet continues to hold on to him and in the end this proves that Tamlin belongs to her that's when the fairy queen addresses the lovers telling them that if she had known what was going to happen she would have turned Tamlin into a tree or in some versions of the story, blinded him. It goes on to say, Tamlin's body betrays him by turning into anything the fairies please, but Janet has the ultimate control and final say right. over her own body. She is the one who initially initiates the, the relationship with Tamlin, um, and yeah. she ultimately decides the terms of her pregnancy and the rest of her story. Wow. It's Janet's strength and power that saves Tamlin, and she saves him from another powerful woman in the Fairy Queen. Right. Right. And so the the article also discusses, so I guess I've actually read three books that were inspired (laughs) by this story, Um, and it discusses two of the ones that I've read. So The Perilous Guard by Elizabeth Marie Pope, and then... The title is Tamlin by Pamela Dean. Um, Okay. And then a third book that I haven't read, but all of which are young adult or new adult retellings of the story, which I think is an interesting, it's interesting to, to view this story as like a story for like young adults or, you know, older teenagers. Yeah. So really interesting. Um, really interesting yeah and then I thought like this last part of the article I think really sums up this interpretation really well it says what Tamlin's stories give us is a chance to figure out just how comfortable we are with women who are in control and whether or not we'd prefer to see them lose that control to their male love interest wow yeah so definitely go read this article And read the story, you know, read one of the 46 versions that are available for free (laughs) online or read one of the novels that's inspired by it. Yeah, that novel sound or one of the three novels sounds really interesting. So The Perilous Guard, um, I read when I was like 11, I want to say. Yeah. 
And I re I think I reread it maybe a couple years ago. I know I've heard that title before. Yeah, so it takes place in Elizabethan England. Okay. And it's very interesting. Yeah. It it imposes kind of a like a uh it's through like kind of a Christianity lens is how it sees Sure. Um the story. Okay. Well, I'm excited to go and look up one of the 46 um, tellings. Gosh, you know, my brain is just like swimming right now, like with so many. I just love talking about this stuff so much. And like the ways that we think about agency, like how interesting to think about this strong character and the way like, yeah, just so interesting. I'm going to look all of this up. Yes. I'm excited. Do it. <laughs> uh, <laughs> my brain is mush. <laughs> I know. I think my, I think you're hearing my brain actually shut it's off. It's like slowly melting. <laughs> Happy Halloween, friends. Happy. <laughs> Thank you for exploring the folklore and fairy tales that spook us a little bit. Ooh. Ooh. Spooky. <laughs> and if we forgot any, like, yeah. reach out. Tell us. Tell us your favorite scary folklore. Oh, yeah. we took a quiz. Oh, we did. Uh-huh. Yes. We took a, a very scientific BuzzFeed yes. quiz. Which mythical creature are you? Yes. And I am an elf. Um, ah, like Buddy the Elf? I think more so. <laughs> they they had a picture of Arwen. Oh, um, yeah, yeah, yeah. But. Totally. You could totally do an yeah. Arwen costume. Oh, I'd be so excited. Oh, my goodness. That'd be great. I'd be so. And maybe I could be, again, like Lorelai Gilmore, one of these women walking around wondering, when will I meet Aragorn? <laughs> if I could only um, find a man like Aragorn. <laughs> I could only find, there we go. If I could only find a man like Aragorn. I think, um, yeah, that's every, every heteros or every woman who likes men thinks that all the time. <laughs> yeah, we're on the look. And Rhonda, <laughs> what did you get? I'm, I'm a unicorn. Yes. I'm no, a yes, unicorn. I agree. Ooh. So I will oh. be I will be a unicorn for Halloween. <laughs> Perfect. No. No, Do I, it. no this I have is already binding. decided though no. that when we when we go to see Dune, I am going to dress like Princess Leia. <laughs> Love it. Yes. That costume is perfect. Uh-huh. Yeah. I uh, you haven't seen it. <laughs> the one that... Oh, I thought it was the one that you had from like a long time oh, ago. Oh, no. I'm not going to do like a full costume. I'll do like a... I'll do like kind of a Disney bound Princess yeah, Leia. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going I'm full. Gonna... Like, I want to be comfy, you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, anyway. I'm going to... I'm going... Um, when we go see Dune, I'm going as a tired teacher in her 30s. Nice. Mm-hmm. That works great too. Yeah, it me. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Well, uh-huh. 
happy Halloween, friends. Oh, happy Halloween. Happy pumpkin spice season. Yes. Still got a few more, a couple more weeks. A few more shopping days left until you can have, until you know more pumpkin spice. Yes. (laughs) All done. Anyway, I got to go drink some more Theraflu. Yeah, I got to (laughs) go. Yeah, yes. And we will catch you next time, friends. Okay, thanks. Bye. Bye Bye-bye. I didn't just say that. I'm so ashamed. Bye. Goodbye. Bye. (laughs) Bye.